Hi, everybody. Uh, today with us, uh, Lisa Coffey, a lifestyle guru and uh, an expert in Ayurveda. Uh, thank you, Lisa, for joining us and uh, uh, for talking about Ayurveda today. Absolutely. Ayurveda is my passion. I want to tell everybody about it. Uh, yes, um, and I have a few questions to you. Uh, you started as an actress, model, and a spokesperson. So, uh, why uh, and have become a lifestyle crew? Um, why, why did you decide to uh, to change your path? Yeah, it's interesting because life always takes us where we're supposed to be. And uh, when I became a mother, I was I was a young mom. I, I had my first child at 25. So when he was about in kindergarten, first grade, he was diagnosed with attention deficit disorder. And you know, this was back in the 80s, 90s, and it was brand new. Nobody knew what attention deficit disorder. I certainly never knew what attention deficit disorder was. And I'd always been into natural remedies and things like that. And I took a lot of classes, especially because when I was pregnant, I had morning sickness so bad I couldn't work. So it was like, what am I going to do? So I started taking these classes on um, like homeopathy and naturopathy and color therapy and aromatherapy and all that stuff. So I thought, let me look into it. Let me do the research and find out uh, what I could do for my son naturally. And so that kind of started it, and that turned into a book that I wrote with my teacher, The Healthy Family Handbook. And one of the modalities that I ended up really studying deeply was Ayurveda. And so, you know, back at that time, nobody knew really much about Ayurveda either. And all paths kind of led me to Deepak Chopra. So I went down to La Jolla at the time where he had the Chopra Center and started taking classes with him. And the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn. And it just became so exciting for me. And I started living the Ayurvedic lifestyle myself. And I started seeing a lot of results with my son, how much better he was getting. And I found out that um, I, uh, attention deficit disorder is actually a vata imbalance and that I'm a vata too. And that that's why it seems like I have attention deficit disorder as well. And he got it from me. So... You know, between the two of us, we really started this journey of how do we really live Ayurvedically and how do we um, kind of express ourselves best when we're in balance, you know, and that's the whole whole thing behind Ayurveda is you've got to be in balance and how do you do that? And it's different for everybody, which I love, you know, because no two people are alike. So great. Uh, thank you for sharing your personal story uh, with Ayurveda. So it's so exciting. And you mentioned uh, this Vata, uh, uh, right? Yes. Can you please uh, tell a few uh, more words about uh, these three doshas? What, what are they? Absolutely. So basically the whole principle behind Ayurveda is that everything in the universe is made up of the five elements. So those are earth, fire, water, space, and air. So everything, everything, the trees, the birds, the cars, the 
you know, our houses and, you know, our phones, everything is made up of those five elements, including our bodies and our mind, right? So when we look at the doshas, they are the way that Ayurveda kind of um, categorized people's mind-body types. So people who are more dominant in the elements of air and space would be called vata types. So people who are dominant in fire and water are called pitta types. And people who are dominant in earth and water are kapha types. So as you can see, we all have all five of the elements in our physiology. We couldn't not, or we wouldn't be alive. We need all five elements. So we also have all three of the doshas. So the idea behind finding out what your dosha is, is finding out your unique combination of those three. So although I say, well, I'm a vata type, it still means I have pitta and kapha in me as well. Just, but uh, I'm more dominant. I have more vata than the other two. So that's how we figure it out. And then once you know your dosha, then you know all different ways that you can help to keep yourself in balance. So it goes into food and lifestyle and exercise and even your career and your relationships and, and your learning style, like everything. And if you follow these plans, you'll really find that you can be your healthiest and happiest because you're in balance and you're expressing the real you, the best you. So when you don't follow these things and you get out of balance, then you start getting into more of the challenge of the, of the doshas. You know, a lot of people ask, well, which dosha is the best? Which one do I want to be? Well, you don't have a choice what your dosha is. You're born with your dosha. And there's strengths and challenges with each of them. And the world needs all three dosha types. You know, you can't say, oh, well, vatas are the best. We should all be vatas. No, 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 no. The world wouldn't function if everybody was vatas. We need each other. We balance each other out. And that's kind of how the whole world works. You know, Ayurveda is the science of life. And life is everything, right? What's not in life? Life is everything. So it gives us tools to go about our day every day in everything we do. It, it's so great. I just love it. Uh, so it's, it's great what you say that um, it's all everything and uh, we balance each other. Uh, but, but still, I, um, uh, I didn't understand if I can uh, change uh, my dosha to another one uh, by following some uh, prescriptions or no, I, I was born with um, one yeah. dosha. Yes, you cannot change your dosha. The dosha you're born with, you stay with your whole life. That's who you are. But what happens is through the years, through the ages, through the seasons, we get in a state of imbalance. So our dosha is our prakruti, our constitution. And that's the perfect us, right? The perfect us that's most in balance. But we get out of balance because we get stressed out. Or, you know, the, it's like with vata, we get out of balance when, we're, um, when it's cold and dry outside. So when it's 
fall, winter time, we get, we get more vata and it's like that cup is so full, it like overflows and you get out of balance, right? So when vatas are imbalanced, we are creative and funny and spontaneous and we get a lot of stuff done. We have a lot of energy. We just, um, we have a lot of interests and uh, we're very much the people who say, yes, let's do that. You know, we're very much the go-getters and we come up with these crazy ideas that actually are pretty darn good ideas, you know, because where our creativity is going. Um, and vatas tend to be more slim also. So um, they're more that yoga style body that you might identify with, you know, that ballet dancer, the long limbs, the supermodels, you know, those supermodels say, oh, I can eat whatever I want. Well, usually they can because they have such a high metabolism, but not everybody can, right? So those are all the good qualities of a vata that come out when you're in balance. But when vatas are out of balance, if there's too much vata, then they get anxiety, they get nervous, they get um, cold, they get constipated, they get IBS, they get, um, they get worried, and they get very dry skin and dry hair, and um, they're difficult to be around, you know? So, so you want to stay in balance. So the idea of following the Vata lifestyle is so that you can shine your best Vata self. And it's the same way with the other doshas too. So let's look at um, Pitta dosha for, for a moment, right? Mm -hmm. So Pitta people are dominant in fire and water. So they tend to be fiery people, right? They tend to um, be highly intelligent. They're very, um, they're thinkers, you know, and they are very discerning. Um, where the Vada people are very big picture people, it's like, oh yeah, let's do this and this and this. The Pittas are more detail oriented. They hone in on the little details. You know, the Vada will say, let's do this. And the Pitta will say, What's the plan? How are you going to do that? Let's look at this. You know, let's be organized and write it down. You know, that's how they are. Um, so they're a good uh, pair together because one is off flying and the other one is, you know, out there saying, let's get to work, you know. So um, Pittas make very good leaders. They make very good business people. And they make good politicians. Um, they're warm all the time, but then, okay, when they get out of balance, like in the summertime when it's too hot, it's hot pit of time, heat, right? Fire and water makes steam and that's hot. So if they're under stressed or they work too hard because they tend to be workaholics or if they have too much, um, you know, smoking or alcohol or meat or spicy foods, which heats them up, you know, they should avoid spicy foods then they can be, instead of being a good leader, now they're bossy. Now they're judgmental. Now they're very highly critical of people. They're irritated. They're angry, you know, and you don't want to be that way, right? They're so competitive, but you don't want to be too competitive. You don't want to be like, oh my gosh, that guy's such a sore loser, right? You don't want to be like that. So following a Pitta plan helps them to stay in balance. 
And then, so we'll go over the three plans after this too, because I don't want to get too much on one dosha because I'm a vata, so I'll go off on a tangent and we'll never finish, right? So, okay, so then copper people are dominant in earth and water. So kava people are very grounded, right? They're very friendly, they're very loyal, they're very generous, they're very kind, they're just um, loving people, they're very caring. Uh, they make good doctors, good parents, good teachers. They're so patient, you know? Um, and they get the work done, they're very responsible. Um, and they're very philanthropic too. They care about the whole world. Um, so when they're in balance, that's what you can expect is like that mother earth, you know, that just give me a hug and everything's great, you know? Uh, but then when they're out of balance, if you get too much earth and water, what do you get? You get mud, you get stuck, you get heavy. So they can be depressed, they can be unmotivated, they can be lazy, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Kapha is also very heavy, so they can overeat, you know, and they can, they can become heavy and overweight, which is not good. So we want to work on a Kapha routine to help keep Kaphas in balance. And all of us are a little bit Kapha during the springtime when, um, you know, it's, the blooms are blooming and we all get that hay fever and that allergy kind of season and you feel kind of phlegmy and heavy and stuck kind of that way uh, that's kapha that's kapha showing up in all of us so okay so how do we keep vada in balance so what we do with vadas is always you have to remember the the scientific principle of like attracts like right so vadas being light and cold and rough and dry, they tend to want to eat chips, right? Chips and crackers and things like that. That's what they'll tend to snack on, but that's not what they should have. They need to have the opposite. So they should have warm cooked foods like stews and puddings and um, soups and um, dal. Dal is this lentil soup we make in Ayurveda, and it's so healing and wonderful and good for your digestion. You know, vadas have very sensitive digestion because there's not a lot of fire in there. So um, if they eat too many cold, dry foods, then they just get gas. Um, they don't want to eat raw foods ever because, you know, foods, in order to be assimilated into the body, need to be cooked. And if they're not cooked on the outside of the body, then they need to be cooked on the inside of the body. And bodies just don't have enough fire to cook those foods. So the food sits in there and it's like putting a, putting a um, vegetables in a pan where the gas is coming, but there's no flame. It's just you get more gas, right? So bodies tend to get gas if they eat raw food. So they need to cook their food and then eat. Um, also, Vadas need to remember that they don't have a huge store of energy. So although they get bursts of energy, they're kind of like a hummingbird, you know? So the hummingbird is flitting over here and flitting over here and flitting over here and flitting over. But at some point they sit on a branch, you know, they have to catch their breath and rest. You know, you have to rest, you can't keep going. Because if a Vada keeps going and going and going and going, then boom, they hit the wall and they're down for the count. You know, it's like, 
oh, I gotta recover, I'm exhausted, you know, and it takes days to recover. So they just need to remember to pace themselves and not overdo it, you know? They tend to get excited and want to do everything, but they could be easily worn out. So they gotta really watch that. Um, so what else? Um, yeah, so that's about it. And, and bodies are creative, so they need to express their creativity. If, if they can't be creative, then they're not gonna feel good about themselves. They have to find some outlet for their creativity, you know, whether it's writing or baking or painting or, you know, sculpting or gardening or whatever it is, they need to be doing something creative in order for them to feel happy and good inside to get that joy mojo going for them. Okay, so then pittas. Pitta is the same thing, like attracts like, right? So pittas are spicy and hot. That's what they tend to like. They're like, oh, I can eat anything. I want those spicy foods. They'll order the spiciest thing on the menu. But that's not good for them because fire makes more fire, makes more fire, and psh, you got volcano going on over here, and then they're really hard to get along with. So they need cooling foods. They need foods like salads and cucumber and zucchini and watermelon and mint and cilantro and coriander. Those kind of things are much more cooling for them and that will help keep them in balance. Coconut is another really good one. You know, if you've got a, a pit of partner who keeps coming home from work, like oh, steam coming out of his ears or whatever, a uh, hard day at work, Ah, give them a little coconut water or a coconut smoothie, kind of get them settled down. Say, hey, why don't you take a nice cool shower before dinner, whatever, you know? Just kind of wash the day off. So helpful, so helpful. Um, any kind of water sports are good for um, pittas, even skiing, but swimming, anything to be around water and have that cooling energy is really good. Um, they tend to be so competitive that it's a good training for them to be on a team. Of course, they'll want to be the team captain because that's how they are. But to be around people, um, kaffas and, and badas who are in it just for the fun, just for the game, so that they can just play and lighten up, you know? Not everything has to be a project for them or a job for them, or I have to be the best, or I have to win, you know, they, we need to take that burden off of them and let them see that they can just play, you know, life can be fun. And then coffers, for coffers, the two things I tell them always is exercise and socialize. So for coffers, they tend to be stuck and they don't want to exercise. They want to sit on the couch and just chill, you know, they just want to relax. And, you know, like attracts like. So they want to be around other coffins because that's how other coffins feel too. And they're very friendly. So they tend to group together and stuff too. But then they precipitate each other's bad habits, right? So we don't want them to be couch potatoes. We want them to get up and exercise, go running, go to the gym, play ball, um, go for a brisk walk, whatever it is get out there, exercise, and socialize. Because remember, the doshas are body and mind. And socializing really stimulates that kapha mind and gives them that motivation. You know, if they're, they could be home like 
perfectly content to sit around and watch movies all day, right? But if a friend calls and says, hey, you want to go to the park? I'm going to take my dog for a walk. They'll be like, yeah, I want to go with my friends. You know, I want to talk to them. So then that'll help get them out of the house. So that just motivates them. That puts a little fire under them. Um, for food, they run a little cool, so they need warm foods as well. But they need light foods, not heavy foods. They need to stay away from fried foods, and they need to stay away from dairy foods. Dairy foods cause congestion, which makes them more cough-like, more sticky, more stuck. So if they just um, follow those two rules, they'll be uh, much happier, much more balanced. Does that make sense? Yes, it's great. Oh, good. Thank you for uh, such a great structure uh, for uh, these three doshas. And uh, um, you, um, while you uh, was describing uh, pita and vata types, I found myself uh, first as a vata and uh, uh, then as a pita. Uh, and uh, sometimes it, um, it can be confusing, I mean, uh, re to read a description and to understand uh, exactly uh, which uh, dosha is mine. What yeah. would recommend for people to um, understand exactly uh, their dosha? So you have to remember that since we have all the elements, we do have all of the doshas. And some people might be so close in two that they're like a double dosha. So they might be a vata pitta like you or a pitta vata. But we say the one that's a little more first, right? So I have a lot of pitta in me too. I have a lot of kapha in me too, but I'm mostly vata and then pitta, then kapha. So if you have that kind of a strength, then you want to follow the Vata diet and the Vata routine during Vata season to help keep you in balance. And then you want to follow the Pitta diet and balance to keep you in balance during Pitta season, right? And there's a lot of different ways you can find out your dosha. You can take the quiz online. I've got at whatsyourdosha.com, you can take a little quiz. This is not very scientific at all. It's just for friend, fun. It's just for your own self-knowledge to kind of give you a better idea, right? Um, if you really want to know your dosha, the best thing to do is to go see an Ayurvedic practitioner. And then that practitioner will give you a full evaluation. They give you a lot of forms to fill out. They ask you a lot of questions that you'll be like, why are they asking you this question? Like, like, do you like it when it rains? You know, are you happier in the summertime? You know, things like that. You're like, what does this have to do with anything? But it does. It really does. Um, and they'll look at your health history and stuff like that, too, because certain doshas are more prone to certain conditions, right? And then what they'll also do is they'll take your pulse. So in Ayurveda, it's a three-finger pulse technique. So they have vata, pitta, and kapha. And then they... On this side of your wrist, if you're a woman, it's your left wrist, and if you're a man, it's your right wrist, and they'll listen. They'll listen at different levels, so it might be right on the top, just listen, and they're listening for three pulses, and then they press deeper, and they press deeper, and they press deeper, and then they can see the different levels of the doshas, and it's, it's fascinating, and if somebody's really good at it, it's almost like they're psychic. They'll tell you all this stuff about you. It's amazing.
Um, they can also do a reading by looking at your eyes. It's like an iridology kind of thing. And by reading your tongue. So they'll look at all kinds of stuff, you know, your height, your face shape, all kinds of stuff. And they will hone in and find your exact perfect balance dosha. And they'll also be able to find out where your imbalance is, where your state of imbalance is. Because once you know where your state of imbalance is, they'll know how to get you back to your state of balance. See, it all works together. It's amazing. It's totally amazing. And I think your book, uh, What's Your Dasha Baby, uh, can help, right? Yes, because I've got the quiz in there too. And what's fun about this book is that um, it matches up people by their doshas. So it's the only book that's ever been written about Ayurveda and relationships. So I remember back in the 70s, and I'm really dating myself here, but there was a book written by Linda Goodman called Love Signs. And she is an astrologer. So she matched people up by their astrological signs. So she would say like a Taurus woman with a Libra man or an Aries woman with a Pisces man or whatever it was, right? And then go through all the strengths and challenges in each aspect of the relationship. And so I remember one day I was sitting in one of Deepak Chopra's classes and he was talking about the doshas and personalities and that book came back into my mind and I thought, oh, I wonder if anybody's ever matched people up by the doshas. That would be so interesting. Mm -hmm. And I looked and looked and couldn't find a book. So I'm like, oh, perfect. I'm going to write that book. So I did. And it ended up being like a bestseller because who doesn't want to know about how to get along with people, right? And it follows not just in your love relationship, but in every relationship with your parents, with your kids, with your boss, with your friends. Just gives you little insights into you know, the dynamics of how you relate to each other. So it's, it's really fun. I like it. I, I think a lot of people get a kick out of it. And for me, it's easier than the astrological signs because there's 12 astrological signs, right? So there's like 144 different <laughs> matches, right? But in the doshas, there's only three. So we go by the three, it gives you, it's a lot easier to remember. Did you expect uh, that your book uh, shall become a, will become a bestseller? I didn't expect it, but I was really happy when it did. And it came out in 2004 and it's still selling really well, which makes me happy. You know, it's on Amazon and everything and the publisher still keeps printing it. So that's all good news. Um, since that time though, I've got 17 books now that I've written. 17? I haven't mentioned that you have 10 books and... Uh... Yeah, I got to update my bio because <laughs> I keep writing them. <laughs> I write them faster than I update my website. It's crazy. Um, but lately what I've been getting into is like when you learn about Ayurveda, you understand that the whole point behind Ayurveda is to help us understand who we are. And it's a very good tool to do that, you know. We, we can get so much insights about ourselves by looking at our dosha and looking at our nature because our dosha is really our nature. And how do we fit in with nature? And what is our role in this life, right? What is our purpose? It, it can be a very, very deep practice, you know? So once you get into that, you know, it's like 
Ayurveda is related to yoga. Ayurveda is related to meditation. They're all sister sciences. So when you want something more, it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to do yoga now. Oh, I'm going to do meditation now. And, you, and it's this cumulative effect. Um, I always tell people who do yoga, but they don't do Ayurveda. It's like, how can you do that? You know, it's like you're wearing your left shoe and not your right shoe. They're sister sciences. They go together. They're meant to be practiced together. And when you do practice them together, you'll find out how much more you get out of each of them because it's really synergistic. One helps the other. It's amazing. So after I got into all that kind of stuff and I learned from Deepak, I'm, I'm one of his um, uh, primordial sound meditation teachers. And then what opened up for me is this whole world of Vedanta. So Vedanta is the philosophy that came before even yoga, meditation, and Ayurveda. Vedanta is the, the Vedic text through which all these philosophies are, are brought forth into the world. And it's 5,000 years old and it's so rich in um, spiritual content too. You mentioned uh, astrology as a science, Ayurveda as a science, um, Vedanta you, you said uh, is philosophy, um, you say science, what, what do you mean science? Yeah, these are studies. These are things that have been, um, you know, proven and studied over years and years. So actually, um, most people think of astrology as the Western astrology that is based on the sun. But in the Vedas, astrology is based on the moon. So there's another kind of astrology called Jyotish astrology. It's also called Eastern as opposed to Western astrology. And there's a little bit of a difference. It's like a 22 degree difference because, you know, the lunar calendar is different than the solar calendar. So from the time that this was starting to be recorded now, everything is like 22 degrees apart. Um, so when you get into the Vedanta and the Vedas and Ayurveda and everything else too, you're like, okay, well now I want to know what's my astrological sign. But if you do it in Eastern astrology, it might be a little bit different than your Western. So for example, um, my birthday is April 25th. So in Western astrology, I'm a Taurus. So I always grew up, oh, I'm a Taurus. I'm stubborn. I'm the bull. I'm what I, you know, I, I had that identity. But when you do the chart in Eastern astrology, it's 22 degrees different. So now I'm actually an Aries. So now you calculate it like that. And in, and because it's based on the moon, your actual, your moon sign, your rising sign is more important than your sun sign. So when you're following Eastern um, uh, Jyotish, Jyotish astrology, you look more at your rising sign. It's like, where's your moon, you know? And I have a Leo moon. So now I look at the Leo and say, oh, this is interesting because now I have these traits and I'm like yeah this totally makes sense it's it's fascinating it's very deep um but yeah it's also there's another science I mean all, everything's related that that's what I love about Vedanta and Ayurveda is it shows us 
how everything is related in life. Like we always hear, oh, we're all one and this is one big universe and there's no distance between us, there's no time and space, but it explains how this all works, right? So there's another science called Vastu and it's the science of architecture. So this is very much like feng shui and a lot of us have heard of feng shui, right? So feng shui is from China. Well, where did they get feng shui? They got it from Vastu, from India, just like Buddhism came from Hinduism. Like the Buddha was a Hindu before he became Buddha and then Buddhism came, right? So before feng shui, there was Vastu and Vastu came out of these same scientific texts. And what Vastu does is it shows the science of our environment and the energies that flow east to west, west to east, north to south, through the directions, and what happens when there's a hill there, or a tree there, or a body of water there, and how the energy changes, and how we relate to that, and how when we build a structure, a house somewhere, those energies are affecting the structure, and how when we are in the structure, how are we affected by those energies, right? Oh, sometimes we're imbalanced, um, imbalanced, and um, uh, all these uh, sciences uh, are focused to help people uh, to enhance uh, their life somehow. Uh, and still, uh, what what are the principles of uh, Ayurveda? So the the main thing is about balance. Okay, so when you know your dosha, you know your state of balance and you know what's going to set you off. Whenever you're out of balance, it helps to bring you back into balance so that you can be your healthiest and happiest. So you can tell a vada is in, out of balance when they're having anxiety, when they're kind of having a pan attack panic attack, when they're really worried about things, or when they're constipated and they're just not feeling good, you know, and they're just like, oh, exhausted, you know, that. Okay, so how do you get yourself back into balance when you're a vata? Well, you eat those warm cooked foods. You do some gentle stretches. You make sure you're getting enough sleep, right? It's all these simple and kind of like common sense things, but we don't do them right we keep thinking oh i'll just you know push through it or i'll just have a big breakfast or you know i'll just uh you know i just need some wine or whatever but that's not that's not really the way to do it the way to do it is get back to the basics get back to the basics of life what does your body need what does your mind need not what are the commercials on tv trying to sell us you know what is good for me? So if a pitta is imbalanced, it'll look like somebody who's really pushy, bossy, irritated, angry, you know, like, you know, a workaholic and complaining. Pitta's complaining, you know. So that means they're out of balance. So what do you do with them? Cool them down, you know. Let them go for a swim. Take a walk in the moonlight. That lunar energy, that soma is so good for them. You know, that kind of thing. Cool them down. Listen to some soft music. Play a game. Get them laughing. You know, 
<laughs> life is fun, not, oh, life is hard, right? Life is fun, lighten them up. That helps get them back in balance. And then kaphas, if they're feeling lazy or unmotivated or depressed, just exercise and socialize. That'll help them get them motivated. It's like too much exercise gets vada worn out. But there's never too much exercise for a kapha. They can go, 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 go. And it gives them more energy. That's what they need, right? So I couldn't say to a vada person, oh, go run around the block. No, that won't be good for them. They'll just be exhausted. But if I say for the kapha, go run around the block, he's going to come back going, yeah, so great. That was good. That was really good. I got it now. I'm ready, you know? So it's knowing who you are and what you need and finding balance um, for your mind-body type, for your physiology, what works for you. It's not a one-size-fits-all program at all. It's just not. Um, it gives you these insights into you so that you can also, you can also help those people you love around you, you know? Like my husband's a pitta, so I understand what a pitta needs. It's different than what I need, but I can give him some coconut water and stuff where it's not, not going to do much for me, but it'll help him a lot, you know? So it helps. We can help each other in that way. And he knows when I get out of balance, it's like, you know what? Maybe let's go to bed early tonight because you need your sleep or, you know, do you need another blanket? You look like you're cold. So we can help each other. It's, it's nice that way because when we're stressed out, when we're out of balance, we tend to forget, you know, what we really need. And it's good to have a partner there, somebody, a friend to help remind you and get you back on track. Great idea. Uh, I mean, uh, the idea that uh, we can get ill uh, when we are uh, out of balance. Do you think uh, this is uh, the main reason why we get ill? Absolutely. Absolutely. When we're out of balance, we're more vulnerable. Our immune system goes down, right? So we're more susceptible to illnesses, to disease. So, you know, if we are super in balance, then our immune system is strong. Our digestion is strong and we're, we're not going to be susceptible to illness. But if we're in that weakened immune state, then any little thing that comes along, we can catch it, right? So we want to stay in balance to be our healthiest and happiest, and that helps, helps us um, to keep our immune system strong so that we can handle anything. But, you know, the problem today with our modern society is stress. Stress gets us out of balance, and there's nothing we can do to stop stress. It's just a part of life, right? You get in your car and you're stressed because you're in traffic. You go to the store and you're stressed because the prices have gone up and there's, it's a long line of people at the thing and you're in a hurry. I mean, there's stress, stress, stress. You go to your mailbox and there's a bill and you're like, how do I pay it? I mean, you can't stop stress. But when you can do is adjust your reaction to stress. How do you handle stress? And when you're in balance, you handle stress so much better, right? You keep it all in perspective and you do what needs to be done. You know, it's that kind of karma yoga mentality of I'm going to do the work that needs to be done 
and everything else is going to get taken care of. So it's just, we're going through it. We're all in this together. You know, we're supported by the universe. That's another really big lesson you learn with Ayurveda is we're supported by the universe. Nature gives us all of the medicines we need. And most of those medicines are just in the foods that we eat. Mm. Uh, there's a, a very famous proverb in Ayurveda that says, um, when digestion is strong, medicine is of no need. But when digestion is weak, medicine is of no use. <laughs> so, you know, make sure your diet is good, your digestion is good, and that's going to take care of like 90% of stuff anyway. So you're not going to have to worry, oh, it's cold and flu season. What am I going to do? You know, and you're popping the cold pills and spraying the antiseptic everywhere. You're going to be like, I'm healthy. Nothing can touch me. I'm good. It can be that easy. Yes. Uh, it's, it sounds great that just changing uh, the diet, we can get rid of uh, some illnesses. Absolutely. And uh, you, um, uh, you, you said about digestion, and I, um, and I just um, uh, understood that uh, there are two main food uh, parties. Let's let's call them parties: uh, okay. vegetarians and mutarians. Oh, okay. What Ayurveda says about vegetarians or about vegetarians, uh, who are right? So basically, Ayurveda recommends a vegetarian diet, not a vegan diet, because in Ayurveda, there are certain dairy products like ghee, which is um, clarified butter, which can be very medicinal, especially to Vata types because vata types are so dry, right, and so rough. And so that ghee is very lubricating to the whole digestive system. And when you're looking for ghee, you wanna look for cultured ghee, which means that instead of just taking the cream and turning it into butter, they take the cream, turn it into yogurt, and then turn it into butter. So it has all these cultures and probiotic benefits to it. Um, and then they also like paneer. Paneer is um, kind of like um, a firm cottage cheese type of thing, but it's a very good source of protein. Um, so those two things in Ayurveda, oh, and yogurt, because yogurt also has those probiotics in it. It helps cool down a lot of foods and it helps with your digestive tract quite a bit. So because those three things are prominent in Ayurveda, it's not a vegan diet, it's a vegetarian diet. And you can also get a lot of protein from um, lentils and beans and sprouts and things like that. Um, uh, they, in, in Ayurveda, meat is only recommended as a medicine. So um, if you are ill, then you might have some bone broth or something like that, or some um, chicken, some fish, things like that, but it's not a part of the regular everyday diet. Uh, meat just isn't a part of the regular everyday diet. Um, now that said, if you have a chronic condition, like um, people who are diabetic, for example, they need very high protein diets. And with our Western foods, it's difficult to get. 
So most people who are diabetic, they should at least have some chicken or fish every day, a little bit, you know, to, to make sure they're getting enough protein in their diet. Um, but otherwise, you know, there's even protein in vegetables. So as long as we're eating a balanced diet and getting enough variety in the diet, uh, we're good. Um, it's interesting because in Ayurveda also, how do you know what a balanced diet is, right? Well, in Ayurveda, there are six tastes. There's sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, astringent. So if all of those six tastes are represented in a meal, that's a balanced meal. It's when one of those tastes is not present that we get the cravings and we tend to overeat. So as long as we make sure each of those is represented, then we're going to be doing good. And it's pretty easy to get those these days because there's um, spice blends like garam masala. You can just add to foods and it has all six tastes in it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really good. I think in the Western diet, most often we have sweet, sour, salty. So we get too much sweet, sour, salty. So no wonder here we are, so many people are overweight or obese because they're eating too much sweet, sour, salty they aren't getting bitter, pungent, astringent, which is the dark green leafy vegetables that we need so desperately. Also, people in the West tend to be totally addicted to coffee, right? Every day, people are going to Starbucks or whatever. Everybody's carrying around a little paper coffee cup. Like, like who are we without it? You know, you have to have your paper coffee cup. So why is that? Well, the caffeine, which is a stimulant, which we really don't need. If we're in balance, there's no need for stimulants. And if you're a Vata, that caffeine is poison to you. You should not have it at all. Um, but also because the coffee has that bitter taste and we crave what we need. Our body tells us what we need, right? So if we need more of that bitter taste, we're down in the coffee to get it. But what we really should be doing is having some spinach or some kale or some Swiss chard or something like that. And that's gonna be serve us so much better. It's not gonna have the acid or the caffeine or all that other stuff that, you know, here you are satisfying bitter, but you're putting something else way out of balance. Uh, now I know why I, I'm addicted to coffee. I need, <laughs> I need to add some spinach and eliminate uh, the coffee consumption. Yes. And if you, if you need that hot drink, have some nice herbal tea. There's, um, you know, you can get some cinnamon tea, things like that. They have nice spicy that'll kind of give you that, oomph, you know, that, that boost. Um, but yeah, coffee's not the best thing for us. Definitely. And I have two more questions. Okay. Uh, first, do you think people have potential to live uh, forever, eternally? Well, if you look at it from a spiritual point of view, all of us do live forever. The soul lives forever, right? The soul goes on and on and on and on. It's the principle of reincarnation. And it's talked about in various traditions, various religious traditions. So in that way, we do live forever. The soul lives forever. It's never born and it never dies. But the body has a timeline. The body is not meant to live forever, right? It's, it's just matter. And at some point, the matter is going to break down. 
um, even in the brain, you know, we found that, uh, or scientists have found that, you know, Alzheimer's is becoming more prevalent. Well, I think that that's because we're living older and older and older. And the, even though the body, we have the tools to make the body super healthy and everything, do we have the tools to keep the brain functioning the way it's supposed to function? So at some point, the matter is going to break down and we're all going to die or the body's going to die at some point. Um, we're, we keep improving our health and our science and our medicine so that we can make that longer and longer. But do we really want to make that longer and longer? You know, um, that's kind of a, a personal kind of call that the advantage of living to an older age is that you have more opportunities for enlightenment. So when you get to that stage of enlightenment and you know who you are and you understand spirit and all that kind of stuff, then you break that cycle of birth and death and then you really do live forever. You don't have to have a human body. So that's all kind of like very deeply done to spiritual stuff. And I don't know if anybody understands or believes it or whatever, but it's something to think about. So I think it's just good to keep our bodies healthy as long as we can so that we have opportunities to learn and grow as long as we're alive so that we're enjoying our life as long as we're alive. Thank you. And if you had an opportunity to send uh, a message to humankind, what would you say? I would say the most important thing to know in this world is to know who you are. So we can study history, we can study science, we can study music, we can study whatever. And if that helps you to know who you are, great. Because at the end of our lifetime, that's the big question we all need to look at is who are you? And you can learn that a lot through Ayurveda by learning your dosha and learning how we tick and learning what um, is best for us and what feeds us and what makes us happy, right? So if you just think about that every day, you don't have to answer the question every day. Just think about it. Hmm, who am I? What can I learn about myself today? You know, it's like a microcosm, macrocosm thing. You learn about yourself. You learn about the world. You learn about the world. You learn about yourself. But that's the whole point of life. That is why we're all here. That is the one purpose we all share is to know who we are.